Welcome to episode number four of the Go Get a Agility podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes, and with me is my daughter, Emma Hughes. Hi, everybody. Hi, Emma. Today, we are talking about crosses. The three crosses, the three main crosses are front cross, rear cross, and blind cross. Of those three crosses, Emma, which one is your favorite? Ooh, I must say that I am very partial to the blind cross. To the blind it's very cross. speedy. Yes. Yes. I and it's actually, for me, the easiest. <laughs> I don't have to think about it. I very much like the blind cross, and I think dogs like the blind cross, but there's an element of danger to the blind cross that we will talk about here uh, in a minute. All right, so uh, the three crosses, front cross, rear cross, blind cross. Of those three crosses, and there's also variations of those that can be um, kind of put together to create tighter turns, um, et cetera. But we're going to stick with the main topic of the three crosses, uh, independent of one another. Why you would pick one type of cross over another, the differences for your dog versus as a handling um, choice. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. That's good. Well, let's get started. So the first thing that I want to note is that of the three crosses, the front cross, rear cross, and blind cross, the two crosses that are natural for a dog that don't require too much training on the dog's part is the front cross and the blind cross. Whereas the rear cross requires an element of training on the dog's part and the handler's part. So blind crosses and front crosses is mostly handling training, training the handler, how to understand, how to recognize the difference between those two. And then the rear cross requires some specific training for the dog to understand their job and also the handler to understand their job. Um, So let's first explain the three differences. Uh, For the front cross, the dog is turning towards the handler and there is a side change. Well, let's say this, all three crosses, if you hear the word cross in any agility term, that means there's a side change. So with the front cross, rear cross, blind cross, you're changing sides on the dog, but how you do that is the difference between the three. So the front cross, you're in front of the dog the dog is, or well, I take that back. You don't have to be in front of the dog, but the dog is turning towards you, either around a jump stanchion towards you or between two jumps and they're curving towards you and there's a side change. So there's a side change and you're always looking at the dog. Yeah, I'd like to point out as well that the front cross is named the front cross, not because you're in front of the dog, but because you're, the front of your body is turning towards the dog. So you guys are facing each other. Uh, so that's why it's called front is because the front of you is turning towards the dog, not because you are running in front of the dog physically. Right, right. And so you're, the front of your body never looks away from the area that your dog is in. Even if they're in a tunnel, you're looking towards the tunnel as you bring your dog up on your new side. So, and then for the front cross, I mean, I've seen front crosses that are done at the pause table 
where you bring your dog up onto the pause table on your left hand and you leave the pause table on your right hand, that's a front cross, even though you're not making any steps, uh, more like a static front cross, just the element of changing from your left side to your right side and you never took your eyes off your dog is the definition of a front cross. Uh, the blind cross, Em, do you wanna describe the blind cross? Yeah, sure. Um, the blind cross is called the blind cross because um, it's the only one of the three that we're, uh, that you cannot see your dog when you're crossing in front of them. Um, and actually a little bit of history on the blind cross. It wasn't um, really a thing uh, in old agility. So back in you know the 90s and early 2000s, really nobody did uh, blind crosses. Nobody took their eyes off their dog. Um, and then as the sport started getting faster and faster, people figured out that if you just cross without looking, um, you can, you can, you know, that's a few seconds that you might be able to get back, possibly, if you use it in the right way. Um, and so that is a little bit of agility history, and it is called the blind cross because you cannot see your dog uh, when you do it. And it uh, is considered to be uh, one of the more riskier crosses just because the timing does have to be correct for it. Um, I like to do them just because... Uh, I've kind of trained myself to to see how they work uh, and how how you can use them, and they're easier for me because it's just you know one switch, switch, switch hands, and that's it. You know, put your head back, see your dog, and and that's it. Um, but there definitely is a time and a place for them, and I think we might be able to go over that. Um, Mom, do you have any? Do you have any specific uh, uh, course? options uh, where you would not do a blind cross or you would do a blind cross. So maybe coming out of a tunnel would be easier to do a blind cross than say coming out of the weave poles. Well, I would definitely say that the timing, like you said, the timing of the blind cross has to be well executed. Um, you have to be in front of your dog on the course. You're crossing over your dog's path in front of them, uh, bringing them up onto a new side. And so I would not perform a blind cross if I felt that there was going to be a collision involved. So I have to know the timing of my dog, their speed, their um, location in order to successfully execute a blind cross. Um, so I don't know that there's, there are definitely places where it's a little more risky if it's not properly trained. Uh, coming out of the weave poles, the dog has to stay independent in the weave poles for a blind cross not to pull them out early. So if your dog pulls out early in just regular weave pull execution, then a blind cross is going to make it even harder. So you definitely need to have independence in the weave poles, independence on your contacts in order for the blind cross not to pull your dog early off or out of those obstacles. So with independence on obstacles, the blind cross is a great choice, but without independence on those obstacles, the blind cross and the front cross for that matter can pull your dog um, out or off early. One place that I love blind crosses is out of tunnels um, or, or going into a tunnel, but you have to be in front of your dog. That's, that's the important element of the blind cross. So you have to learn the timing of your dog 
uh, so that you don't have a collision with them either coming off of a jump or going um, into or out of a tunnel. Yeah, I think that is also why I do mostly use flying crosses in my courses um, is because I like to stay in front. Um, I think it makes me a little bit more comfortable. Um, it makes me feel, it might not necessarily be true, but it makes me feel like I'm more in control of the dog when I'm in front. Well, um, anytime that you're leading them around the course, there's less decision-making on the dog's mm -hmm. part of which way Absolutely. to go next. So leading them in blind crosses is that leading element. Um, yeah. it, it definitely takes yeah. away some of the confusion for the dogs. For yeah, sure. and if we want to, and if we want to, um, one of my track friends also said once that, you know, blind crosses are nice because you never slow down, right? Because with rear crosses or uh, rear crosses and front crosses, um, sometimes there's a lot of deceleration and you're caught flat-footed, and so when you are stop, not stopping, but when you are slowing down a ton um, for a corner or a turn with a front cross you know, you have to make up that speed again in order to continue on the, uh, continue to direct your dog correctly. Um, whereas blind crosses, you stay in front the entire time. Right. Um, so it's right. a bit and easier if you're to gonna, keep your, it's, it's easier to keep your speed. Right. And it's not that it, that they, that the, the cross itself, the blind cross itself, while it doesn't cue a deceleration, because uh, you do need to be in front. So you are working to stay in, ahead of your dog once you've crossed over then you can show deceleration to oh, a turn that sort of thing yeah. um so the the front you are changing sides by keeping your chest to your dog the blind uh, you're changing sides by showing your back to the dog and being blind to your dog for the the moment in time when your head changes from the right side to the left side or left side to you, your right side. The rear cross is called the rear cross because you're crossing behind the dog's rear. So you are behind your dog and changing sides um, behind your dog. And this is where an element of dog training comes in. The dog needs to learn how to switch their head direction without seeing you for a second. So essentially the dog is doing the blind cross and not you. Uh, so the dog is changing their head rotation from the left side to the right side or the right side to the left side, um, either in midst of, of taking an obstacle, hopefully they see the turn coming before the obstacle and stay committed to the obstacle, uh, then uh, turning the direction upon uh, uh, take off or immediately on landing. So the, the turning of the head without spinning is the dog training part of the rear cross. Uh, the commitment to the obstacle, knowing that they're going to change directions is also an element of the dog training part of the rear cross. And the rear cross, those elements do need to be trained um, either on the flats, that's where I would start is on the flat and then over obstacles, because if the dog gets the indication that they're turning, they need to drop their gaze towards the obstacle prior to taking off so that they can find their takeoff point. And if they're worried about where you're going, then they're going to crash into the jump or they'll jump 
turn the direction they thought you were going and then spin around and go the direction you are going. Yeah, and it is hard um, rear crosses because uh, a lot of times, you know, if, if you're behind your dog and you realize I'm not going to get up there in time, you, you have to do a rear cross, right? There's no other option. And it is hard rear crosses because especially in the beginning, because when we are nervous or when we as handlers, uh, even as people, you know, even when you're driving and you're not sure of something, you'll slow down, right? So as handlers, mm. if we sense something is wrong, we will slow down and it forces the dog into a rear cross, right? And so um, it's kind of a hard hole to get out of because if you are a beginning handler without training with the rear cross, yet, you know, you want to make sure your, your dog is on course. And so you tend to slow down to think things through all of a sudden you're just forced to do rear crosses over and over. And, um, which is why it's so important to get that skill on the flat without a jump bar, um, before putting it into a course. Um, I find that the front cross can, and the blind crosses dogs, because they're natural uh, side changes for a dog dogs don't falter on the course nearly as much as they do with the yeah. rear cross um, yeah. rear cross definitely you can see a dog that is trained to do it even if the timing of the handler is late the dogs are still able to pull off the uh, the skill yeah, and i think um, the rear cross has a false name of being one of the easier ones um I, I think that people tend to think that um, I see, I see a lot of beginners try to do rear crosses uh, just because they don't know what else to do and you need to train it. Right. Cause it's right. easiest for the handler to do, right. It's easy to slow down and switch sides behind the dog. Here's the fallacy um, that I hear from beginning handlers all the time. I'm not fast enough to get in front of my dog. That is that as well. by yeah. far yeah. There, uh, so I must do rear crosses. And in some cases, that is definitely true. Um, what I tell my students is the rear cross or whatever cross that you're about to perform usually starts three or four obstacles back. So there'll usually be an obstacle that you didn't leave enough, leave soon enough on. Um, or your dog doesn't have enough commitment to allow you to leave. So there are other training elements that force us into the rear cross uh, designation because we haven't taught our dogs to send to a tunnel from 10, 15, 20 feet, or we haven't taught our dogs to uh, take a, a jump that is a little bit further away that allows us to leave in a timely fashion. So once those training skills are, are honed in, the commitment to the obstacle, the distance sends, that allows us more opportunities to do a front or a blind cross three, four obstacles down the road than have to stay with the rear cross um, because we couldn't leave a jump or a tunnel three, four obstacles before the turn yeah. came. And you really can't fault dogs for needing training on the rear cross. Because I mean, imagine if you're walking down the street with your friend, right? And without any warning or anything, they just went behind you and started walking the other way, right? You'd, right. Really, you'd be quite confused. And whereas if they went in front of you and said, oh, we're going this way, you wouldn't be as confused. 
Right. And so um, it is very understandable that the rear cross is quite hard because I would be confused, you know, if I weren't trained. If you walked behind me, you know, if you were walking right next to me, parallel to me, and then walked behind me, all of a sudden said, oh, we're going this way, I'd be much more confused than if you walked in front of me. Right, right. So, okay, so going back to the three side changes, the rear cross, the dog is turning away from you and you're doing a side change. The front cross, the dog is turning into you and you're doing a side change. And then the blind cross is not showing a turn, it's just a side change. So there can be turns involved in a blind cross, but the blind cross itself doesn't show the turn. Um, it, it just shows the side change. So let's let's go back to the front cross. Uh, so the front cross is not only is it a side change, it is also a turning cue. So in general, there is some collection involved in the front cross. Usually there doesn't have to be, if you're doing it on a straight line, you can continue to show um, acceleration. But in general, it's some sort of turning cue. There's generally collection involved. Ideally, the dog sees the, the turning cue prior to their takeoff point on an obstacle. Uh, so before they set to jump, they know that they're turning. Before they go into a tunnel, a straight tunnel, they know that they're turning. And coming off of a contact, they know that they're turning. So the front cross offers that turning cue, um, hopefully either immediately after a contact or before a jump, before a straight tunnel. A, when they're in a curved tunnel, the front cross generally happens while they're in the tunnel. And so they don't necessarily know um, that the turn is coming until on exit of a curved tunnel. Uh, the blind cross does not show a turning cue necessarily, but you can have a turn involved in a blind cross. Uh, there is a side change and it in general shows acceleration because in order to logistically get the blind cross, you have to be in front of your dog and dogs love to chase us down. And so we're trying to get out of their way to show them the new path. Uh, the rear cross is also a turning cue. Uh, but the dog is turning away from us, and then we pick them up on the new side. Uh, so in general, we want them to know that the turn is coming before they set to jump. We want them to know on a straight tunnel that they're turning in the new direction upon exit. So if they go in the tunnel on our right, right hand, we want them to turn to the right to come out on our left hand for a rear cross on a straight tunnel. And then off of a, a contact or out of weave pulls, um, they wouldn't know that until on exit of the obstacle. Um, well, I guess you can do a rear cross on the entrance of an obstacle, um, but most dogs, if they're not specifically trained for a contact obstacle, rear cross on entrance, they will try and figure out what's going on on the ascent side of the contact rather than performing the contact independently and then looking for their handler. So you run some risks if you haven't specifically trained a rear cross on the entrance of the contact obstacle. Um, 
but those that have, they're beautiful. Dogs are like, got it. I know where we're going now. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. I was thinking, uh, what are your thoughts on weeps? Um, Personally, I have found that uh, with Millie, especially, um, blind crosses with weevils were were not something that we did together. Um, I just, I guess I never thought of it in my youth. Um, And so I never trained it. And therefore she did not have great independent weevils for blind crosses. Um, do you think that's something that should be trained? Because I know I trained Dottie for it, um, just because it's easier for me uh, to have that uh, insurance, for lack of a better word. Um, but do you think that's something that people should seek out to train? Or do you think that um, a front cross or, or even a rear cross sometimes um, is just as good and you don't need to train a blind for weevils? What do you think? Well, it takes training for sure. So because the dog can see you throughout the entire obstacle, um, your acceleration past them in order to be able to perform the blind. If you're not allowed to accelerate past your dog and uh, they'll pull out if you don't, if you do, the weave pulls just like the contacts has to be an independent obstacle. So your dog needs to be trained to the point where you can literally do anything in the weave pulls and they'll stay in regardless of what you do, speeding up, slowing down, running the other direction, changing sides on them, uh, losing eye contact with them. Uh, all of that is a trained behavior. Most dogs, you start adding in distractions in the weed pulls. There's an element of training that has to come involved because when they're first learning them, they don't just naturally like, oh, I'll stay in these. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. While I think that having those skills in your toolbox is extremely important, I know people that will go their entire agility careers without ever doing a blind off the weave poles or into the weave poles for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes down to our personal choice. It comes down to how much time do you have to train different skills on your dog, the safest is allow the dog to finish the weave poles and then perform whatever mm-hmm. cross you want, um, which may or may not be timely <laughs> if you have to <laughs> stay with your dog throughout the weave poles. So while it's not necessary, it's definitely an added bonus if you train independence, which allows you to get the blind, to get the front, to get a rear. I'd say of the three, of the three, the front cross. For those that don't train independence in the weed pulls, they're probably going to be most successful with the front cross on the exit mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the other two. That's my opinion. I agree. I think, I think the best thing about agility is that you can't cheat. And so by that, I mean, if you're watching somebody walk a course or run a course and they do their series of, you know, a bunch of blinds or a bunch of, you know, rear crosses, the best part about agility is that you cannot walk into that ring and think, oh, I'll do that as well and be guaranteed a cue. Um, and so I think that it's also really important to know that what other people do is not what you have to do. Um, right. I, I mean, I know that my first few years of my agility career, I did nothing but rear crosses. I had such short little legs and I could not physically get in front of my dog and so all I did was rear crosses everything everything was rear cross not one thing maybe a tunnel 
was a front cross if I had the time, but everything was a rear cross and I did just fine. You did so, for years, yeah, for, for years and years. And there were some limitations to that. Um, yeah. It cost you some time uh, sure. because you weren't out in front leading the way for Millie. Um, and mm -hmm. so she, but she also wasn't a dog that took off on you and no. did her own course. She waited for direction. And yeah, so that brings that. us to different types of crosses um, in that you have your rear cross that was either on an obstacle or in front of or behind an obstacle. So when it's right. on an obstacle, then it's a rear cross, you know, on jump number four. If it's in between the obstacles, then it would be called a rear cross on the flat. And you can do all of your crosses on the flat uh, in practice and in a course. And there are times when you specifically will do a rear cross on the flat prior to going into a tunnel or prior to going over a jump. Uh, and so learning how to do a rear cross on the flat, executing that, and then also being able to do rear crosses on an obstacle both of them are great things to, to learn. Yeah, and I, I would like to clarify that um, rear cross on the flat, because for years I wasn't really sure what on the flat meant. Um, I think for, this is my baby term, not baby term, but this is my simple terms. Flat means no obstacles, um, like you just said, and flat, you can practice anywhere. I actually did it uh, walking down hallways a lot with my dog. Um, and I, I just taught her to flip away from me. Um, and speaking of teaching dogs to flip away from you, I think that it's also important to note that some people have a verbal for rear crosses, especially. Right. Um, I don't think for I don't think for bloods and blinds. I've never met anybody. Um, if you are that person, that is very cool. I'd like to know uh, your reasoning. Um, and I I think that's um, interesting. But generally, people. If they're going to have a verbal on a cross, they'll do it for a rear cross. I've heard um, switch is a really popular one. Um, left, I've, right. Yeah, left, right. I used oh. because um, that was a total accident. I didn't mean to. I just made that noise whenever I did the flip of, with my hand. And right. um, she just kind of figured that out. I accidentally pavloved her. Um, and so uh, you don't have to use a, a verbal, but I think um, for myself, it's a little bit easier because I can kind of, um, you know, I, I can add a word into my motion and it helps me memorize things. But right. so while most most rear crosses start off with either um, a hand signal, uh, location, pressure, uh, yeah, the, the rear cross definitely can take on a verbal element of it. Most definitely, um, that is a really good point to bring up. Uh, whereas the front cross and the blind cross, yeah, there's some elements of, of uh, verbals in there for the front cross, but that's more take the jump tight, um, take... Uh, it's more obstacle focused. Yeah, it's more definitely the verbals more obstacle yeah, focused than it is. Sure. Um, or, you know, a lot of people say, just say the dog's name. Mm -hmm. But again, that just means, you know, look at me. Um, or turn in towards me, or this is where I'm at on course. If they're in the tunnel and they don't see where you're at, whereas the switch left, right, 
what what other words have I heard? Um, yeah, those are the th- those are the main ones. Yeah, you those can use any words like though. Those specifically mean whatever direction you're going, go the other direction. And <laughs> yeah. so if you're if you're moving towards the right or moving towards me, move away from me in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Turn um, your head. Yeah. Yeah. Turn your head and go the other direction. So yeah, good point about verbals on rear crosses. Yeah. And I would like to say once again, um, you don't have to have a verbal for any of these. No. Um, yeah. And you know, you, you will probably hear people with verbals um, and you don't have to have one, but if you do want one, there's also nothing wrong with that either. Um, I accidentally have one um, and it's, it's um, crosses are interesting because there's a lot of motion involved. And so, you know, motion will uh, almost always take over for verbals, um, especially with novice courses. And so uh, having a verbal is, um, is, is for me, it's more for me than her, but also it, it is good for rear crosses, I, I think. So, okay, so that brings up another good point. If verbals are good for rear crosses, what's really good for a blind cross? So there are three things that tell your dogs tell our dogs which side to come up on in a blind cross. Well, on any, on any cross for that matter, but for the blind cross and the front cross, the three main is, well, we have six cues in agility, motion, location, shoulders, eye contact, verbals, and hand signals. So of those six for side information, it's, hand signal, shoulders, and eye contact. So for the blind cross, while you may have your right hand up saying, come to my right side, your eye contact is number one and the strongest indicator of which side to come up on. So eye Mm -hmm. contact for dogs is natural and uh, hand signals is trained, shoulders is, is more natural than um than hand movement isn't it uh verbals are definitely trained verbals are not For natural sure. dogs do not come out of the womb understanding right Dottie right. might have actually <laughs> I don't Dottie might have but eye contact for side changes is number one so in a blind cross you can perform a blind cross just with your eye contact um and, and get away with that. But if you put your right hand out and look to your left, your dog has a 50-50 shot at getting it right. So both your eye contact and your hand should be on the same side for your blind cross. Yeah, eye contact is so yeah. important on a blind cross. It really is, yeah. yeah. And it is a bit of a learning curve. Um, maybe I'll take it back a little bit when I said that blind crosses are super easy because you don't have to do much um, because it is a bit concerning, um, not concerning, but it's a bit unnerving uh, when you're running, you know, at breakneck speed toward a tunnel and you have to look behind you, you know, um, but it does, it just takes practice on timing for yourself, you know, your, where your body is in relation to the dog and in relation uh, to the obstacles um, because it's, it's not uncommon for dogs to run into the back of your knees if you've got a really fast dog and you're too late. Um, and if you're not looking back and they don't know what you're doing. Um, I've had 
Jinx run into my knees and he has taken me down to the ground and it hurt a lot. I yeah, and that's that is because of execution and your timing. Oh yes, it, timing for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so yeah, practicing at a walk and then at a trot and then at a run is I think the best way to do all of your crosses of training one handler needs to be trained first Um, (laughs) if the handler does not know their moves the dogs are guessing they're like which Mm -hmm. side do you want me on because you don't seem to know yeah so definitely practice with a fake dog you know put a toy in your hand and that's your dog and you can get a person too yeah another person is a great way to train it Uh, But definitely train it with an imaginary dog uh, in your kitchen, in your backyard, start with a walk, proceed to a trot, and then on to a run. Um, And then add your dog at a walk, a trot, Mm -hmm. and a run. Yeah, and I think it comes a lot faster um, as you get yeah, I mean, with I know this is a very uh, common thing to say, but practice really does make perfect. Um, because I thought, I know I thought a lot more about front crosses with Millie than I did with Dottie. Um, and so, you know, as soon as you, uh, you know, if you're, if you're running a course and you're like, oh, I'm a bit worried that, you know, I won't be able to know which cross is which and, you know, where to put it, where to put which one. Um, don't worry about it because it does just come with time. It really does. Um, you know, that, that knowledge, that ability to figure out which cross will work best for you. I think it takes time. Yeah. I think, I think uh, if I remember correctly, I'll have to look this up. Um, But if I remember correctly, Kathy Keats with the Kathy Keats show, um, her in one of her podcasts, she talks about the four stages of learning and, and learning the blind cross, front cross and rear cross there, the stage one and two, uh, can be brutal for new yeah, people for to sure. understand because they they can feel that they're doing something wrong but they don't know how to correct it I think is how she said it anyway <laughs> I I will um I'll make a, a connection with the Kathy Keats show um, and the the show the podcast that I'm talking about because understanding the learning curve for our own training as handlers we really have to be kind to ourselves and that when you are in the thinking stages of learning your crosses it can be frustrating for sure. For sure. So Absolutely. It, take your time, be nice to yourself, keep working at it. And all of a sudden you'll be having conversations with people, conversations with your dog about all these crosses and you'll be teaching others what they mean. So I think that's all I have. That is it for me. I mean, we could definitely keep going on about Oh this. yeah for another two hours Um, (laughs) maybe we'll come back to each one of them them. specifically again Um, but those are your three crosses front cross blind cross and rear cross and happy training yeah this has been good agility episode four thank you for joining us yeah i'll see you guys later bye woof woof